Hey, fatish heads, it's time for another edition of the hottest new podcast on all platforms, Fatfish. Sit back and strap yourself in for the wildest ride on the open seas. Now, flap your fins for the fabulous Fatfish Brothers, Eric Fish Snyder and Brad Grunny Grunberg. A.K.A. Snacks. <laughs> hey, oh, this is. <laughs> how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? Look at that blue background we got, huh? I'm like doing it. a little. Uh, I'm excited about the beach. I gotta get I to know, the beach, buddy. Back to the beach, right? You back to the beach. Uh, the Jewish surf. I can't believe you're a surfer. Have you ever? Have you surfed recently? Maybe in the last year or so. July. I was it for my nephew's okay. wedding. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd pay money to see you on a board, man. I'd pay money. I'd pay money to see you on a board. <laughs> <laughs> With an In-N-Out burger. <laughs> Buddy, today is a very special day. We have a very special guest. You know, show number 29. God, hasn't it gone fast, man? Uh, it's been a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's been for me, too. My career's in the dumper. Thanks. Um but today we have a very special guest, and uh, why don't we just turn him on and uh, let's chop it up. There, ladies and gentlemen, John Brotherton, my friend. Hey, gentlemen. How are you, buddy? Thanks for being on the show. Totally my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm glad this worked out. Uh, I'm good. I'm as good as a king I can be with this, you know, never-ending strike. So, oh, no. but, you know, uh, yeah. but you know, this is the week that ends, buddy. Today that's right. Back. We're back in uh, at the negotiating table today. Uh, so, yeah. After the riders, there's hope, right? Absolutely. Riders. That's. I think that's a template for us because we both want the same thing. And uh, you know, you know, they the one thing that they did the studio head. They miscalculated. You know, they 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 didn't know how resilient we are, we are and how we stick together, man, shoulder to shoulder, right? For sure. And it's been one of the coolest things that I've witnessed is how much support the writers have had for said posts running their agreement. Like right. the first thing they did was say, "Listen, we're not going back to work until the actors get their deal." And the next day, they were back out on the picket lines. Uh, with the actors, uh, I mean, I was out there with the writers before we even went, you know, mm -hmm. went on strike, and so it's been really cool to see, you know, the two of us walk hand in hand, uh, you know, fighting the big bad wolf. Yeah, the, the camaraderie, man. David against Goliath, and David right. wins, baby. David yeah. wins. There's a lot of Davids. We got a lot of us out there. <laughs> I know, man. There's a lot of people who want to get back to work. Yo, Fish, how did you get your nickname? I'm sorry? How did Fish, how did you get your nickname? Surfing. I'm from LA. I'm from Santa Monica. Oh, just surfing. Yeah. You're always in the water. You're a fish. Yeah, 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 look at that. We talked about that. Brad Brad doesn't believe I get on a board, but I, he, he, what, he paid money. Can you imagine Brad on a surfboard? Oh, you know, the only way, the only way you get Brad on a surfboard, John, like you said, if there's an in and out burger, like the dog races when you put a little rabbit, you know? And you see an In-N-Out burger on the wave. That's the only way to get him on a surfboard. But yeah, I'm born and raised in LA. You, by the way, nice to meet you. Nice to meet um, you, Fish. 
You're, you're a Northwest guy, and you went to Oregon State University. Ah, so I want to start there, and then Brad's got a couple questions for you. You're yes. a beaver. I am a beaver. I love. Okay. Beaver. Now, Literally, I was a beaver in Pop Warner playing football. I was a beaver in high school. I went to Beaverton High School, Beaverton Beavers. It's wow. now famous because of air. Uh, and then in college, I was an Oregon State beaver. So this nice. guy loves beavers. My, my question to you is that we, we we've been such solace over the big the, the Pac-12 dissolving, and I know what a great rivalry Oregon and Oregon State is, and you're going to oh. have that for the last time. I think it's a disaster. Uh, what do you think? Are, are you obviously you're a football guy? Because I, I get the guess, and I'm a huge fan of tradition. I'm heartbroken. The Civil War when I was in high school, that's what we called it, uh, was one of the greatest days of the year. Um, I was there, I was in college during some of Oregon State's greatest years. It was when Dennis Erickson was the coach, so we ended up number two in the country. Me and my buddies road trip from Corvallis, Oregon, down to Arizona to watch the Fiesta Ball. I was in the wait, 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 Arizona, that's where I went, brother. Oh, there you go. Bear down, Arizona, Bear down, ready to move. Yeah, when we played, I think in your home track, we played Notre Dame for the Fiesta Bowl and we beat them 42 to 9. Nice. Uh and it was it was we were back it was back Oregon State was a powerhouse then. Now it's just heartbreaking because all the tradition is out the way. I find it to be so short-sighted because all these schools go in cycles. They're great now in 5 years, they're not good. What's going to happen when people aren't happy in 5 years? They've thrown 100 years of tradition out the window. And then, and what about like the kid on the baseball team now that has to travel on a Tuesday to fly to New Jersey to play a game, to get back on Wednesday to class in Los Angeles at USC? The whole thing I find to be very selfish on part of the colleges trying to make their money right now instead of seeing the big picture, the tradition. Fans aren't going to travel the way they used to travel. It's just, I don't know. I don't think it's good for college sports. It's a shit show. And you yeah. know what? Pac 12. They signed a ten-year deal. Bad. They should have signed a five-year deal. They they effed up, man. It's so sad. Well, we should have let Texas and Oklahoma in a few years back when they yeah. wanted to get in, and we would have just been like ready to rock, like bring it on. I know that's where fish went. Okay, all right. I can't. Number three, number three. There, Doctor Mark Harmon. Well, not Mark Harmon. Think about you said, yeah. Doctor Matt Harmon of Fuller House. We're number three in the nation right now. Shut I know that up, Arizona. What what's your school now, Brad? About 150. <laughs> By the way, uh, John, I just want you to know we can't believe Fish graduated college. <laughs> we can't believe Speaking it. Speaking of Mark Harmon, I'm, I think my character on Fuller House is actually named after Mark Harmon. It's Matt Harmon, but Mark Harmon was in Jeff Franklin's summer school. Yes. Yes. Correct. Named Matt Harmon after Mark Harmon. So that mistake comes up a lot. And I like to say it's not really a mistake. It's actually uh, the, uh, you know, underlying truth. Well, I, I have some breaking news. You, you, I, look, he's a, this is a good looking dude. This kid. You know, with the audition process. Walked into the I know. conversion of Ryan Reynolds. I yeah. hear there's a rumor that when the strike ends, they're doing a remake of the great movie classic. It's a sci-fi comedy called RoboCop. I know Brad's seen it. Did you see it? RoboCop? Yeah. It's yeah. like my now, childhood. I, I hear, I hear, Mr. Dr. Matt Harmon, John Brotherton, that you have been cast oh, okay, as the love interest, and Kim Kardashian is getting cast <laughs> as uh, no. RoboCop. This is this is no. a picture of uh no, this is this no. is actually, wait a minute. This is Kim Kardashian. 
and and John's got to deal with this. <laughs> hey, this Oh my goodness. We'll do it. Can, can you tell us about that, John, before we chop it up about your real life? <laughs> Listen, we'll, we'll do we do what we gotta do in Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? So oh man, that's a woman, funny. and I'm happy to be your co-star. That's right. Uh, hey, if the check clears, baby, right? Oh, these I want to jump in. I want to jump in how I met John on the show Fuller House. And let me tell you something. This guy is one of the best. I, I met him, I mean, I met him. We didn't have any scenes together, but I remember the last Fuller House episode, we were all there in support, and I met this guy's family. This beautiful wife and these gorgeous daughters, and people say, oh, you can't have a career and have a family. This guy proves it. This is a loyal guy, an incredible father, a great, I don't even know how he got his wife. I mean, she is I know, listen, I'm married up. I know you're I'm totally married, married up, man. 20 years. 20 years? 20 years. Oh my God. Why do you look so young? You use all the George Hamilton products? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, listen, man, we met in acting class 20 years ago. I've uh, um, been together ever since. Been married 15. Uh, two, two beautiful kids, 11 yeah. and 13 years old. Um, but listen, Brad, I gotta I gotta remind you the very first time we met on Fuller House was actually one of the coolest acting days of my whole life because it was at the San Francisco Giants oh. Stadium. The first time we met, yeah. we shot a scene, a few scenes during a live baseball game. The Dodgers playing the Giants in San Francisco. They shot an episode of Fuller House during a live game without telling the audience what the heck was going on. Everything is confused. We're on the Jumbotron. We're trying to shoot a scene. People are like, get out of my way. I'm trying to watch the game. It was a love-hate with these fans. They're like, wait a minute, but we know these people. We're supposed to love them, but I'm trying to watch this baseball game. But such a cool deal. We we, we had to work out the scene on the Jumbotron to this cam with – our characters, and then there was all kinds of weird. Steve's running around trying to fight the mascot, and Andrea Barber's putting on the dugout, and the fans are like literally had no idea what was going on. Jody goes out to sing the national anthem. Right. But what a day at the ballpark, man. That was so fun. The episode was I was a disgruntled fan, and Hunter Hunter uh, Pence, uh, yes. he, yeah, he he's dating Stephanie, and he's in a slump, and I'm going, you're a jinx, you're yeah. a jinx. And uh, just oh, and, and I'll tell you something. Don't you agree, John? The uh, San Francisco fans are unbelievable. They really oh, they were, are passionate. Great, they, super passionate. And then ironically, it was the shortest game of the season for them. You know, baseball games can go at any length. You can't control them. But of course, production wanted the longest game ever to try to get as much done as possible. And for whatever reason, it was like free and out, free and out, free and out, free and out. And it became the shortest game of their entire season to put this huge pressure on production for us all to like get the scenes correctly in real time because everything was being done in real time. It was the real kiss cam during the game that, that Matt and Deej had to have like a kiss. We had to time it out. It came to us and away from us, came to us. All of this was like in timed out to happen in real time. And then the game was happening at like the speed of light. It was, it was quite the experience, but so fun. And what a great group of actors, man. I mean, that, that group is just, yeah, you know, Chris, I don't know if you know this, but I had to teach John how to kiss. See, he, he, <laughs> he didn't know. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm, you know, come on, I'm a leading man. Wait, wait. Yeah. Did you do uh, what was the guy's name that you uh, used as the, as the uh, 
as a method. <laughs> I was getting paid. Partner. I didn't care who I was going to kiss, but I showed him how to kiss. You know, this is a Hollywood kiss. No tongue, no tongue. And he, you know, but he 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 was a great student and he did a great job. I want to go back to yes. our boy Jeff Franklin. What oh, a guy! I mean, oh, yes. great, I mean, he's a genius, but he's such a down to earth guy. He really How, is. Yeah. What was the audition process like uh, for Doctor Matt Harmon? Well, it's one of those weird stories where in Hollywood you audition for a million things, and I've been told no, you get second place so many times. Second place doesn't pay in this town. You know, you have a whole thing of second place trophies. Everyone <laughs> talks about you audition. All the, the audition process is a nightmare. And then every once in a while, you get a phone call where you don't audition for something, and there's like, hey, and I'll never forget. My agent called and said. Did you hear they're bringing that show Fuller House back? And I was like, or Full House. And I said, I did hear that because if you remember, it was the first reboot. So this hadn't happened. Like Will and Grace, Roseanne, all that hadn't happened yet. So it was kind of like this unknown territory. And I was like, yeah, they're bringing back the original cast, right? And my agent said, yeah. And I, and I was like, okay. And he goes, well, you've been offered because I'd worked for the casting director before. I'd worked for the executive producer, Bob Boyette, as you, I'm sure, know, Brad. Sure. And, um, on a different show in the past. And they said, well, listen, they're offering you a little guest, a little uh, recurring guest star, five episodes. It may be turn into eight episodes if we're lucky, uh, but they want you to play DJ's love interest. And I was like, this is crazy, but great. It sounds fantastic. Like, I was like, I don't have to read for it or anything. They're like, no, they just want you to play this part. Great. So it was just going to be a recurring guest star the first season. I did the first five episodes. Then it quickly turned into eight. Then they tacked on the ninth for the finale of the first season. And then we got the phone call after the season wraps that they wanted to bring me on uh, as contract. So it was literally one of those, you know, small chance things that happen in Hollywood where every once in a while you get the easy pass. And they just say, hey, for all your hard work and all the no's that you've heard throughout the years, here's this like wonderful gift. And uh, and that's what it was. It turned into the most incredible gift of my whole career. I love those people so much. Um, I'm, I was so grateful to be put on contract after the first season and then ride it out for the five years. You know, that first season when we were shooting it, we had no idea if people would even watch it. Because again, it was the first reboot. So everyone's going, is this going to work or are we going to be like a laughing stock? You know, I was just excited to be along for the ride, but I remember the legacy cast being really trepidatious. They were excited, but they were nervous. They were excited, they were nervous. Forget about it. After the first season, all the legacy cast was like, I'm in, I'm in, can we come back? You know, like they were, it was awesome. It was, it was awesome. You know, he's got the magic touch and I, I, I just knew and I was so, I was so blessed. He wanted me to, you know, I warmed up the audience. Uh, back when, when it was Full House, oh, no way. Oh, and, I, awesome. yes, and I was the warm-up guy, and then I got to be on the show as an actor, and I can't thank Jeff just enough for that opportunity. And I ended up doing five episodes, playing different characters and stuff, and so much fun. I mean, it, it was, I mean, you know, it all starts at the top with Jeff, right? Dave, John Stamos, Bob Saget, may he rest in peace, God bless him. Those are the guys who set the tone for everything, right? Because everybody's humble, everybody signs autographs, takes pictures, you know, after the show, all the VIPs, all that stuff. It was such a great experience. It's so uh, true. They really were. They set the, they're really an incredible group. Really incredible group. 
What was your favorite episode uh, uh, of all? Are you on five years? What was your favorite episode? Yeah, I would say there's a couple. One, we did a Bollywood episode where they brought in this Bollywood instructor and we did this whole dance in the backyard. And that was really fun because it was we had to really gel as a unit. We had to rehearse this dance all week. Um, but I'll say probably the most memorable is when we got to go to Tokyo. Uh, in fact, <laughs> my coffee mug right here, Tokyo. So we shot in Tokyo. Wow. And the fans there were so amazing and so loving, but they have a very gift-giving culture. So every day we'd come to the bottom of the hotel, out the elevators, and there'd be fans waiting there. But they're very polite, and they don't infringe, but they want to offer gifts. And every day they would offer you a new gift, whether it was a pen or a picture or some trinket, just something, some gift. And one day this mug was one of my gifts that I still, you know, have today and just being in tokyo in a different place with you know 10 of my best friends i flew my wife out she got to join us and we got to be you know so we spent two weeks there and i just thought tokyo was such an incredible place the people were incredible it was mostly a tokyo crew except we brought you know the studio heads i mean the, the department heads and then the whole crew was you know locals which was really incredible um so that was probably the most memorable uh, that was but frankly anytime i got to walk on that stage and w go out to the audience you know as they announce your name and at the end you get to bow with your best friends in front of a cheering crowd like such a dream come true like i pinch myself every time and i'll tell you what you said bob rest in peace listen man that guy set the tone every single time we were on stage after every show he would hug you he'd tell you he loved you and he said this every time can you believe it can you believe we're here lightning in a bottle how lucky are we like here was bob saget reminding me reminding whoever he was deciding in that moment to give his light to and tell them he loved them how lucky we were. And he said that to every, I mean, he made sure for the very last episode, every single episode, he would say, how lucky are we? Are we not the luckiest people on the planet? Like, and I just thought yeah. it was so cool. Every single time, he never took it for granted until the final bow. I mean, it was like, what an honor to work with that guy. Bob was incredible. The last time I saw him and my interaction with him was in the last episode when everybody got married, right? Yeah. And Bob came up to me, he goes, oh my God, Brad, I'm so happy you're here. Can I get you something to eat? <laughs> like, oh my God. I go, this man knows me very well. He's a dad, man. You know, he he's is a dad. dad. He's a dad. He takes care of the ones around you. I, I saw Bob Saget at Dodger Stadium. And I'm taking a leak next to him in the old troughs there. Yeah. And he looks at me, you know, and I look at him and he goes, what are two, what are two four-letter words you never want to hear in a men's restroom? I went, what, Bob? He goes, nice dick. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he gets up and walks away. You know, and I knew it was hitting me that. So you what a story. Didn't That's know we were going story. there. Hey, I got a question for you, buddy, because you made Please. it. I'm looking at your dossier here. You started acting when you were 10 years old. Correct. Talk yeah. about that. You're a childhood actor and you kept it going. So, yeah, I was a child actor, but a child actor for fun, which I always try to like there's a big difference. So um, then like a child actor trying to like be casting calls, trying to make money as a 10 year old. When I was 10, my mom sent me to uh, drama camp in the summer. She was like, I think he would like this. And I was a creative kid. My mom's an artist, I come from a, you know, a family of artists. And so I started going to drama camp during the summer. So like during the school year, I was kind of like a jock. 
And then during the summer, I'd go to drama camp. Totally different people, totally different world. You know, and we'd be doing like a Shakespeare play or a Bye Bye Birdie. We did Comedy of Errors. We did, you know, Into the Woods. When I was 10, so these summers, that's when I started falling in love with it. So I'd spend my summer as this actor, this like funky thespian where we do weird shit like pretend you're a purple rock, you know? And then, <laughs> and then I'd go back to school with my buddies who are like, you know, we just wanted to play basketball and play football. Totally different worlds. And so that's when I really fell in love with it all through and took it very seriously because we did some serious shit. Like you can't mess around with Shakespeare when you're a kid. Like it really, Shakespeare really taught me to act in a, in a disciplined manner, manner where you have to be word perfect. You can't improv Shakespeare. There's no like winging it when you're on stage. There's no kind of a putting it pieces together. Like you got to be word perfect. You have to know exactly what you're saying. Um, so that was all through junior high into high school. And then through my later high school years, I took a break because, you know, sports sort of took over and just being a high school kid. And then I went to college. I got back into it just for fun. Like it was like I was a fraternity boy. I was in business school. But then I was like, I'm going to go get, take all my electives in the theater hall because that makes me happy. And I did that and it, for a few years. And it wasn't until my senior year where I was going. I had the summer of my senior year, I had an internship. Everyone gets their internship, you know, the last summer of their senior year. And it was with a real estate development company. I thought, yeah, this is what I want to do. Fortunately, unfortunately at the time, it was miserable experience. And it really allowed me to step back and go, wait a minute, is this what I really want to do? And something clicked in me. And I'm like, if I put as much energy into this thing over here that I really love is I'm trying to put into this business world, this corporate world that I think is I'm supposed to do then this thing over here will bear fruit. And I'm, I did a 180 in one day. I just completely like switched wow. gears and focused on, I said, you know, I called my mom. I said, listen, I'm going to graduate, but I'm going to move to Hollywood. And she, she, I had the reverse. She had always encouraged me to go to LA and like follow this weird dream. Whereas most parents are like, no, that's crazy. But I was the kid that was like, no, that's crazy. I got to go to business school. And my mom's like, no, you go follow your dream. So long story short, I did. I ended up packing my car with nothing but the clothes in the back seat and no money and no place to live and nothing. And I got on I-5 from Seattle, Washington, showed up in L.A. and had to make my way. Man, I was a bouncer. I was a bartender. I was waiting tables. I did it all, you know. Um, That's and fantastic. So, I love it. Said, Here's a paycheck. You know, John, I just want to know, make a note here that Fish is a very big fan of yours. Because he loved you in Furious 7. Oh, okay. Austin Furious 7. I want you to take us there. How did you get the part? And by the way, I almost got a restraining order for you. Because Fish was like, <laughs> I told him I knew you. He goes, what? what you Listen, know? that experience became probably the biggest honor of my career. Because first, let me tell you the backstory. So the reason I got into Furious 7 is because James Wan did The Conjuring, which I was a part of The Conjuring, which was amazing. I'm in the original Conjuring, which was such an incredible experience. James is the greatest director I've ever worked with. The cast was incredible. You've got, you know, just Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, Lily Taylor, Ron Livingston. Like, this was an amazing experience. Fast forward, Conjuring becomes this huge hit. James's next movie is with Seven. Think about Furious or any of those is you don't really, as the director, doesn't really get to cast many parts because most of the parts are already cast, right? All the leads are cast, all the villains are cast. 
there was kind of like this one character that was Kurt Russell's sidekick that he was able to cast. He threw me the bone because he's such a loyal dude. James is just an amazing guy. I mean, he's so loyal. He's got the same camera crew, his AD department, his makeup department since stop. Literally, he's taken them the whole Love way. It. Love so it. We shoot Furious 7. I'm on it for two months as my character, Shepard. I rap on a Wednesday and fly back to L.A., and that's the weekend that the tragedy happened with Paul. Oh, no. So I thought, oh. great experience shooting the movie, probably greatest experience of my life. I didn't think the movie was going to come out at that point. I thought, okay, it's done. You know, that's just, it was you just chalk it up as an experience, but, you know, this has moved on to a much bigger thing now that Paul had passed. Because um, what an incredible human being he was, man. He had an impact on me, and I only knew him for seven weeks. And, like, he'll forever have an impact on me. Well, then fast forward a couple months, I get a phone call from him saying, listen, I think we know how to finish the movie, but I need your help. So then they brought me on as the actor that um, had to work and step in to help finish the scenes as Paul, which was incredibly humbling because it really came about him. Um, it was about how do we honor his legacy the most and in every moment? How would he be with Jordana? How would he be with Vin? How would he be? Um, so we worked on it for 11 months. Um, before we started shooting, the Universal hired his old acting coach to work with me. We, they opened the vault to all his dailies from all the staff. Right? We, studied. we got together three times a week for two months. And it was it essentially became like a biopic, like having to recreate Paul Walker. Um, Can you explain to our audience? So you played Paul, and as the actor, and then they put his face on you. Is that how? Right. It, oh, yeah. There was, I mean, there was. I think one of the AI <laughs> one of the misconceptions yeah. is that there was only one sort of trick used. So everyone's always looking for the one trick. The reality is they used all kinds of different tricks. Sometimes it was AI, classic face, you know. Sometimes it was just camera positioning over the shoulder. Because it was also they used his brothers as well. So depending yeah, on the shot, they would use, because we all had different things that really worked for Paul. Um, and sometimes it was face swap. Sometimes it was, it was, they did some crazy stuff where they used old footage of him and they had a like an ai camera recreate the lighting and the camera in a new set but that would have matched the way they shot the original scene with him so they could use his face they could put it on my body in a new setting um and um so it was really it was just it was a huge honor i wanted nothing more than to just you know our, our rally cry became for paul it became our you know we just wanted to honor him as much as possible. We wanted the end of the movie to be beautiful and bring tears to everyone's eyes. Bless Jordana's heart. I mean, having to, she's so wonderful. And, you know, having to embrace someone else when I know how much she loved Paul and how amazing Paul was in her life. Um, and she, you know, I mean, it was just a heartbreaking experience all the way around for everybody. Um, so our job just became, how can we honor this man who was an incredible dude? He was such an amazing dude. That's what I heard. Uh, a lot of people. He was special, man. He was just the, he was the one that grounded that whole group. He was yeah. so down to earth. He didn't care about celebrity. He learned everyone's names. 
I'll never forget, like, first day I'm on set, there was just this moment. I'm walking to – I'm just meeting everyone for the first time. It's a huge day on set. We got we got Paul and Tyrese. Ben's on set. Michelle's on set. Ludacris is on set. Kurt Russell's on set. And I'm the new guy. And it was this little brief moment. I'm walking to Crafty. He's walking back from Crafty. And it reminded me of buddies in the hall in high school. He didn't say anything. He just put his hand up and high-fived me on the way by. Remember that feeling in high school? You walk by your buddy and, like, you give him an elbow or you give him a high-five. No words are exchanged. It was a brotherly moment. And it made me, as a new actor on set, and whether he did it on purpose or not, might have just been an instinctual thing for him, it had such a big impact on me as, like, the new guy on the biggest set in the world going, oh, I'm just one of the dudes. Like, he treats everyone like family he treated everyone with respect he made sure he in dignity whether he was getting the coffee from you or reading lines with you or you were his director or you were bringing him clothes he treated everybody the same he was such a genuine dude and like him and i had great conversations about fathering girls he has a girl and i have girls and um that was really the base of any kind of deep conversation him and I had and who just always had such an impact. For them to be asked the question to step into his shoes, literally. Um it was a huge honor. Huge honor in my career. JB, don't you think we need more Paul Walkers in this world? No. He really is. no for sure. For sure. Absolutely. You know they don't make them just uh, they're not a dime a dozen, that's for sure. He was there. Uh, he was too ugly for me to look at on the screen. That was an ugly looking kid. I, I you know yeah, I mean, rest in peace but you know, I go back. My mother was in the industry for years as a customer, John. And okay. the things that you heard about that kid on the movie Varsity Blues, he played Lance Harbor. Oh, yeah. You know, so many times. What's that? I've seen that movie so many times. Oh, and, and then Pleasanton uh, was it? Well, no, Pleasantville with, um, with Toby McGuire. Yep. And the cast just talks about what I mean. He had a smaller role in that, but yeah. Reese Witherspoon talks every, every time you talk about this kid on a set, it's about him, what a great guy he is. And and humble, unlike so the guy humble. that's above you on your uh, <laughs> totally on your left. I got two things to ask you real quick. Yep. Really? Kappa Sigma? Sigma Yo, hey, man. Kappa fucking Sigma? Try to chew, baby. Try to oh, You want to know the is? Your work I just went down. I, I got to ask you both this. Yeah. We're in a pop culture society. You guys are both very, very good and successful actors and Brad being a comedian. Aren't you sick of this goddamn Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing? My <laughs> wife and I wanted to watch a football game last night, Brotherton, and all the announcers, Chris Collins. You think Chris Collinsworth had his hand up Taylor Swift's ass or something like that? It is kind of The flip. Jets are making a comeback here, and they keep showing Taylor Swift, which, by the way, Ryan Reynolds was in that booth, and never, they never once mentioned that. Oh, they could care less. I mean, it's, this is the Swifty uh, show. Rexham. Her effect is real. Like apparently he's in in like the course of the week he's got a million more followers. Yeah, that's amazing. Jump from fifteen to top five sold, and you know now the joke on the internet, of course, and my even my wife chimed in on it. It was like, oh, Swifty really put him on the map. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know what? Yeah. I got I got news for you, Brad. If if they break up, I don't know if this is a publicity stunt or not, but if they ever break up, people are still going to watch the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I thought you said they break up, she'll be going out with me. Is that what you were trying to say? Come on. I don't know about that. I don't. I don't know if she has enough food when she does a concert. And, Come on. You know, when now. John's talking about going to Crafty and seeing guys, that's. <laughs> I got excited. If Brad, if Brad didn't crafty. act, and I kick him a lot, 
that's that's his new future in the business. You should start your own craft services company, oh, Brad, goodness. because because the guys like John Brotherton that, that are on sets are going to eat very well. Trust me on that one. <laughs> Well, that's the John. Don't you think that's the that's our favorite part of the set is crafting? I mean, that's oh, what man. Food is. you know what? That was literally why my kids want to visit set. They're like, Dad, <laughs> and it's just because they like the fucking jars of the rainbow candy. <laughs> literally, like they could care less about Dad being on Fuller House. They'd be back yeah. there, like, ah. Oh. <laughs> You judge a production by its crafting. Totally. If you have candy, if you have whatever, you know it's a big production. When they put money into crafting, that is somewhere you want to be, right? It's so true. Listen, if you feed people well, they're happy. Yes. yes. I mean, it sounds it sounds simple, but it's so true. You I'm feed so them happy. Well, they're happy. I don't want to get into politics, but certain, certain administrations, when you went to visit the White House under Trump, you got McDonald's. You know, it's true. <laughs> and maybe that's why teams didn't want to go because you want to go to the White House. You want you want some of the top chefs to take care of you. So you're right. You got to you got you got to feed people well. You got to feed them well. No, it's so true. Wait, you went to went to the White House? Me? No, no. He's no, just talking I'm saying when teams go. Oh, when teams go. Oh, God. You're, you're Golden State. You're, you're Golden State Warriors and you're a big team fan of. Ask Steve Kerr. They went to the White House one time when Trump was president. Yeah. And they walk out. They, there's this beautiful room they're in. John Brotherton had his big mats like on plates with Man. the fries. McDonald's. Can I can I get an apple pie, please? You know. <laughs> John, what was your first job ever? Not 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 acting. Like I worked at McDonald's. My first job ever was working construction. Oh. Uh, so uh, we had like a little local kind of construction company um, would hire football players from our high school to do the grunt work. And it was always a couple guys every summer. And we would spend the summer just doing that literally they, nobody wanted to do. So they'd build a house and then they'd be like, we need all that garbage over there, moved over to there so they can pick it up. Or we need a ditch dog. It'd be like the worst job on the construction site. You know, it takes the least amount of skill because it's just high school kids that know nothing. And we would do the grunt work. We'd dig the ditches or we'd move the heavy shit or, you know, um, but it gave me a love for DIY and construction to this day. Like now I do all my own electrical. I put in my own hardwood floors. I did my own drywall. Wow. You know, I try to, uh, I try to, you know, I try to be hands-on and it really started with my first job back in the day. What would you tell your younger self? You had an incredible career. What would you, would you change anything or would you, what can you tell a young actor or a young person coming up? You know, it's funny. I got, I got this, I get this question a lot. I went back to my college to like, you know, go to the theater department. It's funny because it's such a scare. I look back and it's terrifying to look back. I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, <laughs> you know, like jumping in a car with nothing but a hope and a dream. It's scary as shit. So my honest if I'm really being, I mean, it's easy to say like, follow your dreams and go for it. But like, don't do it unless you have to do it. And if that makes sense, like unless your soul is not gonna rest, unless you do this thing, don't do it for the fame. Don't do it for the celebrity. Don't even do it for the, the, the money. Cause frankly, the money is hard to come by. Do it because your soul has to do it. Otherwise, Stay in your local town and do theater and be happy. 
And like, cause this industry will chew you up and spit you out. It's not easy. It's not as glamorous as people think. It is scary at times. I mean, I'm raising a family, but essentially as us actors, we're like on a, we're like salesmen, right? We work on commission. So unless you can close that deal, it's like, wh where's the next paycheck coming? So there's, it's, everyone sees the glitz and the glamour from the outside. They see the Instagram posts, they see the red carpet posts. And it's like, man, so lucky, but they don't see the days. They don't see all the no's. They don't see, you know, the days going, you know, so many people are just hoping to make enough to qualify for insurance. Like the majority of people in the union are just trying to qualify for insurance. And that's frankly not that much. Right. So like, listen, I tell people, you know, have a real conversation with yourself. And then if you're going to do it, you have to attack it. Like you're going to attack an 80 hour week career. You can't sit and wait around. You have to find yourself. Like early on when, you, when I moved to LA, they said, you've got to create a career for yourself, whether you're on set or not. And that could mean time in the gym, time studying. So when I first moved to LA, I had like a stack. Of, I went to, I went to uh, Samuel Frank, which isn't even around anymore. I know you guys know it. Yeah. Where you buy old scripts and stuff. And I had a stack of plays next to my bed. And I'd wake up and I'd be in a panic, like, what am I doing in L.A.? I was sleeping on an air mattress and I'd grab a script and I'd just start reading it. And I always fell into, like, where my brain loved in creating these characters in my head and whatnot. And it put me at ease. And it's like, so if you're going to do it, you've got to put yourself in a position to work 10-hour days, even if you're not getting paid. So whatever that means, you got to fill it up with, you know, class, going to the gym, studying, Whatever it may be, putting yourself in a position so when the phone does ring, you're not you don't walk on set and feel like you've never done this before. It should just feel like another day at work. Um, and I can say, fortunately for me, when my real first break happened, I was it was uh, I went from you know bartending to I booked a soap opera. It moved me to New York. That first day on set, I looked back. I was probably overly confident. I was like. Finally, let's rock and roll. I'm going to spin circles around these people. But I think it was a result of putting myself in a position. Like I had trained and studied and I'd worked myself out so much. But when that opportunity came, I was ready to rock. There was nothing intimidating about it. Um, and so that would be my advice. Don't do it unless you have to do it. Like don't do it if you don't have to do it. Don't follow the, don't follow the, you know, the glitz, glamour, the money and the celebrity. Because I'll ask both of you this. Is it true that you, if you have a personality, Brad and John, that cannot take rejection, do not do that. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get the hell out. All right. You got to believe in yourself no matter what. You got to sure. say a working actor books 5% of their auditions. So that's going on 20 job interviews and getting 19 no's. And you've got to, you know, you've got to be okay with that. Let me, let me ask you this, John. Um, you, you talked about what an influence um, that Paul Walker was on yeah. your life. Give me some other actors that influenced your career and you look up to and say, For wow, sure. that's the, those are the kind of performances that I long to have. Well, besides Brad. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to embarrass him. Uh, but I'll <laughs> stay in the same movie because working, getting to be Kurt Russell's sidekick was oh. one of the coolest experiences of my life. But here's why. Not just... At first, it was like, great, I, I can share the screen with Kurt. That's going to be so great for me. Quickly, I realized, no, the, the real blessing in it all was 
watching what a joy that man brought to the stage. And he'd been doing it at that point, like 60 years. He started as a child. And he would be dancing around steps. He'd be like, again, saying hi to everybody. He'd be wanting to run lines. Like, you don't always get that with certain people. Right. He'd like, And he'd be like, hey, let's try it this way. He was a kid in theater school. You know when you're like doing scene study and you're waiting in the hall with your partner and you're reading lines? Like that was Kurt. Like we would be like, hey, we got a couple minutes. Let's try it this way. Come here. And he'd want to like... Then he'd mess with the dialogue. What if we tried this? And he'd come up with new lines. He'd run it by the director. He wouldn't just do it, like which I always thought was cool. He respected everyone's. He'd run it by the writers. The director'd be like, "Hey, I've been working." Of course, they're like, "This is Kurt Russell. You can do whatever the fuck you want." Um, but what I found about so cool about him is he had such joy every single day. And I have this great two great stories of him. One of which. One of the first days we're working together, we're, we're shooting this scene where we're all like packing up the SUV with all the cool like war equipment. We've got guns and bombs and computers and we're, we're going to go on a mission, right? So I'm in full Navy SEAL gear. I've got the head goggles. I've got the AR-15s. I've got guns strapped to me, ammunition and knife strapped to me. I'm in full gear. And he's in a suit and tie because his character is like the guy in the shadows that runs it all, right? And he's doing his thing. They're resetting lights around us, so we're waiting and set. And he's, like, kind of dancing around, having fun. Like, and some people would be complaining about it all taking so long. Kurt was, like, having fun. This is late at night. It's probably, like, 1 in the morning because it was a night shoot, right? And I'm sitting there, and I go, Kurt, man, you you really seem like you're having a good time. Like, do you love it? Do you still love it? You seem like you still really love it. And I'll never forget, man, he turned around. <laughs> like he had the light on him and he had the, like the per perfect curl with the hair coming down and he goes hell yeah i love it he goes look at you and meanwhile like i said i look like a gi joe he goes take a picture like this and send it to your buddies <laughs> it, man. he gets that like uh, <laughs> we're like having fun i'm fucking playing gi joe he's like so like he he didn't even blink. He just got it. He's like, look at us, man. Same yeah, Bob Saget effect. Like, how lucky are we? So watching him having spent his whole career working, plenty of ups and downs, I'm sure, and to bring that kind of joy, you know, he's not number one on the call sheet in that movie. You know, he's got a whole – he was just there having fun, be so grateful to be a part of it. Second quick story about him that really showed me something. We're shooting a scene with Jason Statham where fast forward in the movie, that same group, we come surround Jason Statham's character. So cool. And I have like my gun on him and I have a whole scene looking down the pipe of Jason Statham. Incredible scene. And we shoot our coverage all day long. For 12 hours of shooting us. Lunch, come back, shoot us. Dinner, come back, shooting us. So we're deep into the day, double overtime into the day. And they finish ours and they want to turn around on Jason. So there's like six of us, Vin, myself, Kurt, Paul, and then our like special forces crew that they've been shooting all day. Now they're going to turn the camera around. They're going to shoot on Jason just to finish out the day. Late in the day, double overtime part of the day. They ask me, they're like, John, would you, we know you're done. Would you mind staying around and reading lines, you know, off camera for Jason? Of course I would. What am I going to say? Sorry, Jason. Yeah. I'm get back to my hotel. There's a C stand right here. Put my picture on it. I'll see you later. No way. Of course I'm going to stay around. But here's the kicker. Kurt Russell had no lines in that scene, right? But in the end of the scene, he Jason's character says something, and out from the shadows in the background steps 
Kurt Russell's character, and Jason has to clock him. That's it. That's it. At this point, there's dolly tracks running through where Kurt was supposed to come out. You know, crew, lighting, all that. Kurt Russell stays around, and on cue, every single time during his line, he stepped out of where that shadow would have been, which actually is now where dolly tracks are, just for Jason's eyeline. That's it. Wow. It's so incredible. It was so I was like, this dude has hung around all day long, has no lines in this scene, but is here for Jason just to set the tone. And I found it to be so impressive that that point in his career, he could have had the limo waiting for him outside, see you guys later, and he chose to be there with his team until the final take. He gets it. He gets it. I have uh, two questions, and then we're going to let you go. First, I, I heard that story. The only thing that I heard was lunch and dinner. <laughs> I'm sorry. And the other is Fuller House has the most incredible fans, JD. Oh. Okay? And I want you to shout out to one girl, including Fish, that I met as Berkowitz and all the characters I play. Her name is Mackenzie. Can you tell Mackenzie thank you for being such a great, incredible fan? Mackenzie, we have the greatest fans really in the world. We're so lucky, and you are part of that. Thank you so much. I feel so honored to be a part of Fuller House because of people like you out there. Mackenzie is the greatest. I, I got one last thing to say to you, buddy. This is one of the best podcasts we've ever done. I'm being sincere about that. I appreciate but that. But if you really if you really want to channel the the the, the Brad Grumberg in you and you have that look and you want to play him, this is his new headshot. Get ready for this. <laughs> oh boy. That's my California. Can, can you pull that off? Is there enough AI that you guys are going to this with this fucking strike about? Hey, can look listen. like that? Wow. If they call and they wanted me to do the, the Brad's biopic, I'm there. Okay. <laughs> I'm John, thank you so much for being on the show. We 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 had such a good time with you, buddy. And I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you guys working this out, and uh, good luck with everything for sure. And, and yeah. let's get this strike over with, so we can go back to work. Let's give Amen. a nice hand for John, brother. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Hey, hey, Brotherton. Hey, Kappa Sigma. If you're ever in Vegas, look me up. I I, I work at a restaurant that's phenomenal. And have a little Sigma Chi dinner on me, man. Right? Oh, you're a machi. Oh, I'm a machi. I'm a machi. machi. He's a machi. They were our rivals on our shake. Oh man, that's so funny. I'm yeah. a ZBT baby. We clean the hot. We clean the floor with both of you, baby. Nice meeting you. John, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Say hello for to the family. Say hello to the, your wife and your beautiful daughter. I will for sure. We'll see you on the next one. Definitely. Bye bye, buddy. Wow. wow, was that fun? Was that great? Great. Oh, per, great that, that's the thing, man. That's I, I'm psyched because great personality, great stories. He, oh. His energy level is, is like yours, and, and and it's it was it was it was brilliant. So, um, and I had to get that in because I, I figured out, you know, he's a, I, I said his bio. He's a football fan, and I don't know if you watched that game last night, and it was constantly about. It's a good game, and it's constantly about the the the, the Hollywood part. Or yeah. the, the the pop culture, the cheese in the booth, yeah. and I didn't give a shit. Now my wife loves to. <laughs> it, it's a brilliant move by the NFL. You're a producer. You've done the same thing because you're getting a whole new audience. You know. Let me tell you. Do you know how? Do you know his his jersey are up like seven hundred percent or something? Huge. Kelsey, yeah, Kelsey. Hey, jersey. Can, can I can I bring you into your your beautiful family? I got I I found this picture of you because Brad, I Texas, Oregon State for Mr. Brotherton, Brad. Bear down. 
University of Arizona. I found a picture of Brad in his freshman year studying his favorite subject. He's writing a thesis paper. Check this out. (laughs) 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 That's Brad as a freshman. I have never paid my bills and fees. Tell me about that prostitution book you're reading there, Mr. Grumberg. I have never paid for sex. Come on now. Me? Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, We talk about family a lot and your great family, Jerry and Sandy and your brother, Greg, and your Tiffany and all your your great uh, nephews and brothers. You're a terrific family. I found a picture of my family. This is fun. This would have been, I guess, my. this is my mother's mother and father. And your nanny, all right? Uh, Klein was the biggest influence on your life. This man, look how cool their wedding picture. This is Rose and Lenny. Lenny was one of the biggest influences in my life. And I think I got my first night. Check out this wedding picture from 19, gotta be 25. How cool is that? Wow. That's my mother's mother and my mother's oh, father. Wow. And, and look at the gown. Look at that. I mean, yeah. is that is that something out of like the Great Gatsby? Come on. Yes, absolutely. Look, I mean. Weddings back then were totally different than today. Look at that. Look oh. at the faces. I mean, he was a you know, guy. He, oh, it's just the greatest. The greatest reminds me of you. Always fun and oh, oh that's man. beautiful. It's too oh, bad. It's beautiful. it's too bad that he was addicted to uh, a lot of stuff. But you know what? Oh, man. It, it, what, it, what was addicting was his personality. I have to ask mm-hmm. you. We haven't talked. How's your week been? I we talked about it on with, with our great guest John Brotherton. Right. I know the strike is coming to an end for the writers. What does that mean for our audience with the actors? Well, today we went back into the room to see if we can make our deal. Uh, the uh, let's, Where's Jesse? By the way, Jesse has been saying he's going to be on the show. Jesse, enough. Buddy. You're gonna this this, is, this guy is blowing up. He's one of the top 10 businessmen That's what I hear. in America. Oh, guy, you and tell me. I want to have him on the show. He, could have, on, he, came, on, he came on when I – well, he, he did a show with, you know, with, with, uh, with uh, you know, with me and Daly – but yeah. I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Jesse, we'll go to some strip clubs together, you and me, in two weeks <laughs> in Vegas. Quiet. He's married. Oh, okay. But go, go on about the go on about okay, the actors. So, so, yeah. So we're back in the room. The writers making their deal. That would be a template for us, okay? Because we're both we both want the same things. We want higher wages. We want residuals on streaming, and of course, we want to be protected with AI. Uh, I think we're going to make a deal this week because it's time to get back to work. And uh, I'm telling you, one thing about unions, it's the year of the union. You stand up for what you believe in, and there's a, the pie is big enough for everybody. Don't you agree? I, I agree. Yeah. I, I, but I wanted to, I want to touch on this last week, and John Kassir was so great, and thank you for stepping up. You, oh, John's fuck, the You're fucking master oh, musician. Oh, that, you made that interview great. I had to bow out for some technical stuff, but I want to get to this subject about eight minutes to go. And it's a, it's a sensitive subject for people. So okay. if you don't want, if, if you want, turn us off right now. But I want to talk about, and well, this is a segue. She says deeper, but you, you know, balls deep, right? I want to talk about masturbation <laughs> because it's something that's very dear to our hearts and no one seems to want to talk about it. And they talk about late night shows, they steer away from it. But I, I guarantee you, ninety-eight percent of the people that watch this show or listen, do it. Now, I have, I want to ask you, you technique and method for you, but not so, you know, not so much in detail. But I have masturbation ethics. Okay, I can't masturbate 
over any one of my brother's wives or girlfriends or my friend's wives or girlfriends or, uh, you know, uh, just, I just can't do it. Whether they break up or not, okay? Cousins are good because, you know, I mean, the Appalachians, they do that all the time. I got to ask you, since you're the king of of, of this subject, (laughs) you're the king. Uncle, come on. Are you kidding me? All the strippers you've had sit on your lap and you go back to the whatever hotel you're staying in Las Vegas, I guarantee you. They send hazmat seat suits into your room to do the sheets when you leave. He's the only guy who leaves a five hundred dollar tip for the for, for, for the room service. Anyway, before you continue, Mackenzie, put your hands over your ears. Okay, okay. This is not a PG rated. This is not a PG rated show. Talk about something that you know. Well, doesn't it's everybody okay to me? people? But it's not, we're not we're not woke culture. It's okay. I guarantee you, a lot of people do it, but it's taboo to talk about it. Here's two guys. That participate in the act, and I'm married. I love my wife for 34 years. I guarantee you, she, you know, she does the same thing. Well, here's the thing: you take the five-minute military shower, you claim, right? Now, now I'm a, I'm a shit shower in minutes, two minutes. Of the, the water conservation, minutes, is how long does it take you to masturbate? Of the five minutes, 30 seconds. Well, I mean, come on now. Look no, at you. no showers for me. I mean, I, I might have shower scenes and stuff that I do, but I'm not. I can't. I can't do the. I, the water, the water stuff. No, I, I, I'm traditional. You know, I'm, you know, there, there's, it's, 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 and it's, uh, and, and it's never porn. I never look at porn to have to do it. It's, it, it's weird. It's a weird thing. And I know I'm pissing people off and talking about it, but wait a minute. It, it, you know, I'm, all I'm trying to tell people that wait, it's wait, normal. You're going on. Why don't you tell the audience? Cause you brought this subject up. What do you masturbate to? customers at the bar no your fantasy football what you know what is what i'll is, see a, i'll watch a tv leaders? show and i'll see if you know a, a woman i'll say oh my god you know she's pretty in the way she's acting or anything i uh, you know oh, oh uh, it, it's weird um I'll, it, a lot of things i see on tv you know i, I don't know I, I have a weird imagination but um fans only are you are you a member of fans only or no do no what do you, what do you, wait enough about you, me more important. Wait a minute, you go Pornhub. What do you do? You brought the subject up. Tell us. You spanked the monkey to what? It. it, it I, we're talking about masturbation. Okay. <laughs> the, the amount of times that I do it, I have a healthy sex life with my wife, so it's not as much as you do it. But what do you do? Do you look at the picture? Look at the pictures in your background. Any, any of those make the list? Uh, <laughs> I like smile. Oh no, to be honest with you, I like smiles. I'm all about smiles. So if a girl has a nice smile, that that could that could uh, you know you could be on a set, and there's 150 people on the set, and there's right. two extras that walk by. You look at them, you know this is the thing. Okay, I'll give you an fascination, example. fascination, and 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 okay. um, imagery, and using you know you in, in your mind you could do whatever you want to do, and it's not taboo. Okay. I'll give you an example. Okay, to masturbate. I'll give you an example. Okay, you want an example? Yeah. We'll, we'll yes. end the show with this. Because of the strike, I had to go back. Thanks, Jesse. Come on the show already. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, this guy is unbelievable. Quit being a jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go back to lift driving because I got to support my family uh, during the strike. So yesterday, I had a girl in the car with her friend. I'm really into the Asian sensation. I love beautiful Asian women. And this girl named Becca was in the back seat. And she got out of the car when I dropped her off, and she gave me a look, okay? She turned around to say thank you, 
Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Hubba hubba. Oh boy. With that big smile. Remember I told you. And that will go into the masturbation Rolodex for, for a long time. Yeah, I do. Oh. I have it. And I go into it and I keep, you know, I keep the ones, I get new ones, I take the old ones out. But Becca, thank you. Thank you, Becca. You do you do you look at your masturbation Rolodex and give us a line that Brotherton did about Bob Saget? How lucky are we? <laughs> oh man. The good thing about that, the act, is that you can make love to anyone you want mm -hmm. and it's not cheating, okay? Yeah. I can't believe how people don't want to talk about this subject. They can't talk about it on The View. It's I, Last I looked, it was legal. Isn't yeah. it legal? I mean, you can't do it in public, but if you're in your house, I mean, we have to explore things here. Fat fish is not woke culture. It is not PG rated. No. We're not cursing here. We're talking about something that you probably do. You don't have to comment on it. I mean, let me see um yeah jesse hearns lol He's back again jesse 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 are you jerking off jesse <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to piss him off his brother is thomas hitman hearns we don't want oh him. i love his brother i know hey before we get out of here we got to yeah. do we got to do some uh we got to do some um work here i just wanted to uh, today's the second right again that that's that's uh that's nick pasquale oh, nick oh. pasquale foundation a poor kid died tragically in a car uh, got hit by a car the golf tournament is down at Kalina in San Clemente on October 13th. Mel, Lori, AJ, Brad and I are thinking about you. We'll be there next year doing our podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Brad down there. I'll, you know, I'll get him down there. All you have to do is have excellent, excellent spread, and we're there. <laughs> Absolutely. God bless him. Yeah. God, God bless him. What a show. Number 29 is in the books, Fish. How do you feel? Thank okay. you. I mean, oh, hey, Tom, this is, this is one of the, you know, how do I feel? Well, well, first, I want to thank John Brotherton. He was, and the stories were, I mean, incredible. And I want to thank you, Fish. A lot of fun. We'll do it again next Monday. And uh, let's let uh, Dave Linden uh, take it away, Dave Linden. Thank you, buddy. You've been listening to the Fat Fish Podcast, heard on all your favorite platforms. Until next time. <laughs> <Good morning. laughs>